now bring you the Making Much of Jesus podcast featuring the late Dr. Jack Hudson, the founding pastor of the Northside Baptist Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. And now today's edition of the Making Much of Jesus podcast. All right, in your Bible this morning, turn now to the Gospel of Mark chapter 14. I had no earthly idea when I started these messages that I'd stay in Mark so much, but Mark seems to get right to the point here on it, and that blesses my heart. Now, I'm going to do this morning in what I remembered being taught hermeneutics and, and homiletics in school and when I was there at Tennessee Temple, and they taught us various kinds. There's evangelistic message, and there's, uh, of course, I could go on with a long list of them. But this morning would be more of a Bible reading, that is, just taking verse by verse and preaching expositorily with an evangelistic appeal is what I'd really like to think it is. So we're going to cover a lot of Scripture. We're going to go. Now, I'm not going to read it all, and don't get excited. But we're going from chapter 14, verse 53, to chapter 15, verse 19. Now, I'm not going to read it all. I'm not going to preach it all. But that'll be the ground we're going to cover. But first, let's look to him, Heavenly Father. I dare not. Lord, I dare not preach about the cross and about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ with a cold and different heart. I pray that every one of us, may there be a holy hush over this congregation, over those listening by the means of radio, and may we carefully guard our attention, and may we listen with spiritual ears, and may we be willing to put into practice that which we learned this morning. But Lord, I pray that you'd save precious souls in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now, as we turn in the Word of God, you'll find this breaks itself into three divisions. First of all, how he came to his death. Would you look at it, please? In chapter 14, verse number 53, And they led Jesus away to the high priest. He was led away. Notice in chapter 15, verse number 1, and straightway in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council and bound Jesus and carried him. Then in chapter 15 and verse number 16, and the soldiers led him. Now three times in these two chapters we find they led him, they carried him, and they led, or they led away, I'm sorry, led away, they carried away, and they led him. Now when you think about that, he submitted himself to them. No, no argument, no rebuke, no criticism. They'd say, put out your arms. He'd put out his arm. Walk this way. He walked that way, completely in submission. He had taken my place as a place of guilt. I want you to think with me, and we'll make this application very quickly. But in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 22, and verse number 33, Peter said, and he said unto him, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. Lord, I'll go with you into prison or into death. The Lord many times said to him, Peter, Peter. And he said here, verse number 31, the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I prayed for you that thy faith faileth not. And when thou art converted, when you really get straightened out, I want you to strengthen the brethren. What was he talking about? Peter said, Lord, I'll follow thee. I'll go into prison with you. I'll even go into death. The Lord Jesus, very tenderly with his, uh, with his um, overwrought prophet, he said to him, Now, Peter, you're not ready for that. But I believe he meant 
One day you'll remember what you said, Peter, and you'll know that you're not ready. Now, turn with me now to the Gospel of John, to the very last chapter, John chapter 21, and to verse number 18. That's page 11, uh, 1146 in your Schofield Bible. Listen to what he said. Now, the Lord is speaking to, to, to Peter, and he said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, When thou wast young, thou girdest thyself, and as you dressed yourself, thou walkest whither thou wouldest. In other words, you go where you wanted to. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. This spake he signifying by what death he should glorify God. Now Peter was led to an inverted cross, died upside down. Here's the point he's making. Do you see it? He's saying, Peter, you wanted to follow me into prison, even into death, but Peter, you don't understand. When I get to that point, I'm going to have to let them be led away. I'm going to have to be carried away. I'm going to have to be, to form the scripture, they led him. And he said, when I down Calvary's cross, it'll not be one of argumentation. It'll not be one of fighting. It'll not be one of trying to determine who's right and who's wrong. I'm simply submitting myself unto that death. I think Peter understood it. For when they led him to the inverted, to, to the cross, they were going to put it in the ground. And they said, you'll die as your Savior died. He said, would you do me one favor? And they said, what is that? They said, it's all right to nail me to the cross. But would you please turn it upside down? I don't want to take anything away from the precious sacrificial death of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And they conformed with his wishes, and they took Peter, turned him upside down, his feet pointing towards heaven, and on a cross into the ground, his feet towards heaven, his head down, and then they built a fire underneath it. And I believe the Lord, I believe Simon said to the Lord, Lord, I understand now what you meant. Simon? When you're young, you can dress yourself. When you're young, you can go where you want to. But Simon, when you get old, I don't believe he was talking so much about his age as he was about his spiritual maturity. When you understand, Peter, you're not going to resist and fight and fuss all the time. You're just going to give yourself over in the hands of an omnipotent father, and he'll take you on. What a blessed truth. Secondly, let me show you this. Not only how he came to his death, but what he accomplished by his death. Notice, if you will, in chapter 15, and verse number 24. And he, listen what he said. And when they had crucified him, they parted his garments, casting lots upon them, and that every man, whatever man should take. You see, he told us the method of his death. He gives it here that we'll have it in the divine record. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't die with a heart attack. The Lord Jesus Christ didn't die of old age. He didn't die of anything else. He died of one reason, and that's of crucifixion. He wants you to know that. And then notice, if you will, he tells us the instrument of his death. Look at chapter 15 and verse number 30. And he's telling us there, and again in verse number 34, he's saying, save thyself and come down from the cross. Look at verse number 34. And with the, in the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And it comes on down and it says that he was on the cross. Twice it tells us he was on the cross. Then there's a finality of death. I want you to understand, will you never forget this? Jesus actually died just like you and I will die one day. 
And in verse number 37 in the 15th chapter, And Jesus cried with a loud voice and gave up the ghost. Look at verse number 43. Jesus, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went into boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. Jesus Christ really died. I want you to notice there was a funeral of the body, a funeral, if you will. In chapter 15, verse number 46, And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in a sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock and rolled a stone unto the door of the sepulcher. The Lord Jesus Christ was buried. You see, there were, there were three things that happened at his death. It's needful that I mention to you. First of all, there was a darkness that covered the whole face of the earth. The Bible says in chapter 15, verse number 33, And when the sixth hour was come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. There was another thing. There was the cry from the cross. I read it to you. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then there's something so interesting that I could not begin to explain it to you now. But look at chapter 15, verse number 38. And the veil of the temple was rent in twain, or in two, from the top to the bottom. It's significant that it was rent from the top to the bottom, indicating that God ripped it from the top to the bottom, opening up the holies of holies, you see. Now, I want you to see in chapter 16, verse 2 through 8, we'll obviously not read it all, but it tells how he triumphed over the grave, you see, and over death, hell, and the grave. In chapter 16, verse number 2, And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? And when they looked, they saw the stone rolled away, for it was very gate. Great, and entering to the sepulcher, they saw a young man, an angel, sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afright. And he saith unto them, Be ye, be not afright. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid. But go your way and tell his disciples. Now, I've given that as a more or less of a brief outline. Now, let's look at it briefly. First of all, I want you to see the power of his life. For that's my message this morning. The cross and the power of the Son. First of all, notice the power of his life. If you will, will you notice the power of silence? We mentioned that. We shall not go into it in detail. I've covered that. But notice again, if you will. In chapter 14, in verse number 60, And the high priest stood up in the midst and asked Jesus, saying, Answerest thou nothing? What is it which these witnesses against thee? And so the false witnesses and Jesus, but he held his peace and answered nothing. I want you to know the power of truth, for even though he was silent, there was a truth there. He answered the truth. He didn't bother with the foolish questions. But in chapter 14, verse number 61, But he held his peace and answered nothing again. The high priest asked him, said unto him, Art thou the Christ, the Son of the Blessed? And Jesus said, I am. And ye shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. I am. I want you to know who I am. I am. And I am the Christ, the Son of the living God. There's also the power to suffer. The power to suffer. You see, the Lord Jesus Christ was literally tried in two courts. First, he was tried in the Jewish court, or we'd call it today the church court. If you'll notice in your Bible briefly, uh, in chapter 14 and verse number 53, 
Will you notice it? And they led Jesus away to the high priest. And with him were assembled all the chief priests and the elders and the scribes. He was tried before a church trial, before the Jewish court. They were the ones who said, we are the epitome of truth. We hold the truth. We have it. Uh, we have it written down. We, of all the people on the face of the earth, we have the truth. And yet you'll find untruth, for they're the ones who produce the false witnesses. The Word of God records it to us. And then that wasn't enough, because then in chapter 15, verse 1, And straightway in the morning the chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And yet they tried him with false witnesses. Don't you see it? And yet in all this he was willing, and as a result of it, he maintained his peace. Then he had the power to obey. That's the thing that always gets to me. He obeyed the will of his heavenly Father. You remember what it says in Hebrews chapter 12? And uh, wherefore sin we're compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which thus so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the shame of the cross. Don't you see it? He obeyed the Lord because he didn't see the suffering. That is, he didn't look at it, didn't consider it. He didn't let it deter him. He was looking at the heartache. He was looking at all the shame. He saw that. But beyond that, he saw the joy of the Lord. He saw one day when you and he saw a day when I would come to him and say, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me, the sinner. That was the joy that was set before him. He looked beyond the cross and he saw my salvation and yours. Don't you see? He obeyed. And this power, every bit of the power that I've mentioned, I've gone over things that I've covered, but I've done it for this reason. Are you listening? There is a power of silence. There's a time when you ought to, can I say it in bold words, there's a time when you ought to keep your mouth shut. And then there's a time when you ought to stand for the truth. Nobody admires anybody that can't make up their mind between those two things. There's a time when you just oughtn't to say anything. And there's a time when you ought to open your mouth and say the truth. Then there's a time when you have to, have to suffer. You're going to be, you're going to be uh, misquoted. You're going to be talked about. You're going to be lied about. But the best thing you need to understand, you just suffer through that. He was tried before the Roman court. He was tried before the Jewish court. And both of them were wrong, and he well knew it. But he opened not his mouth. Then there's the power to obey. Now are you listening? Every one of these powers, and I think they're individuals, are available unto you and to me. For he said, we can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. You, I, I can't do it, neither can you. But we can do it through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's the power of his life. Now, there's a lot of mockery. They laugh. They make fun. The mockery. Uh, but yet it reveals in mockery the Lord, even you. God gets glory even out of evil. And as a result of it in this mockery, God is revealing great truths. Now, I want you to understand now is the power of his death. The power of his death. Now, notice, if you will, he reveals the true temple. I want you to listen to what I'm going to say now. I'll be honest as God is my witness. I want to be honest to you as your pastor. I've studied this Bible over and over. I've preached, been your pastor for 29 years. I've preached hundreds and hundreds and yea, thousands of times across America. 
But I'll be honest with you, I never knew this truth I'm sharing with you until God revealed it to me in studying on the cross. Are you listening now? He reveals the true temple. Listen to what he said in Mark chapter 15 and verse number uh, 29. 15 and 29. Listen, he said, And they that passed by railed on him, wagging their heads, and saying, Ah, oh, thou that destroyed the temple, and buildest it in three days. You remember what the Lord had said in another portion? He was standing there, and they were admiring the temple. And he said, Destroy this temple, and in three days it shall be rebuilt. It'll be new. It'll be a new temple within three days. And they said, wait a minute, Lord. It took 46 years to build this temple. And you're saying in three days? But the rest of the scripture says, this, this he spake of his body. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ was in the tomb for three days and three nights, was dead three days and three nights. On the third day, resurrected from the dead, ever to live to make intercessions for the saints. Now here's what he was saying. And he, they said in mockery, Hey, you that destroyed the temple, uh, why don't you build it again? Now the temple he was talking about was him, his body. It was he himself. Are you listening? We know the scriptures. I've preached from it and you've read it many times. What? Paul says, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Know you not that your body is the temple of God? It says in another place. And it says over in 2 Corinthians chapter 6 that we're to come out from among them. What? Know you not that your body says the same words again? Are you listening? Do you know when the temple comes into our body? And you know where the temple is every bit contained? In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he is the temple within my body. Don't you see? If any man defile the temple of God, him will God destroy. It's not this body alone. It's the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray God every man listening to me, every time you put God's name as a prefix before a curse word, you better remember it. Every time you ladies, I don't think there's anything under God's earth more degrading to a woman than hear a woman with a filthy mouth. And when you ladies take God's name in vain, when you use it as a prefix before a curse word, you better remember, if any man defile the temple of God, God doesn't, and it, now, now get it right, God doesn't dwell in me, he dwells in the Lord Jesus Christ who is in me, don't you see? In other words, the Lord Jesus Christ is his meeting place. And the Lord Jesus Christ has a meeting place within me. And the temple of God is the Lord Jesus Christ within us. Don't you see that? And what a revelation that is. You say, Brother, what is a temple? It's a place where, now the temple, let's go to the Old Testament. Get your thought, then you'll see it. The, the, the temple is a place where God resides. It's a place where he met with his people. It's a place where he welcomes his people into his presence. It's a place where the blood sacrifice is accepted. It's a place where the Lord Jesus Christ is that temple. He is in us. And in 1 Corinthians 3.16, and I quoted 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. You can't have the sanctuary and beer parlor in the same building. You can't do it. You can't have the, the sanctuary of God. That is a place where God meets and have all that filth in your heart. You can't do it. God wants a clean place. God wants a, a, a pure place in which he can abide. And we need to remember every day of our life. We need, re, need to remember everywhere we go and everything we say. 
Uh, brother, you, you're either exalting or defiling the temple of the Lord. Now, very quickly, I've got to move. And not only does he reveal the true temple, but in this mockery, it was revealed the truth about salvation. Look at verse number uh, 31, if you will, please. And again, he's saying something concerning salvation. Likewise, also the chief priests mocking. You see it? Here's the truth now. Said among themselves of the scribe, he saved others himself he cannot save. Brother, I want you to know that's absolute spiritual truth. You could engrave that in, in granite and you could put it on the side of a mountain. It would endure till the Lord comes and even endure after that. When he was on the cross, he had taken my place and yours. He had made himself to be sin who knew no sin so that we might become the righteousness of God through him. And when the Lord Jesus Christ was dying on Calvary's cross, he literally could not save himself. For had he saved himself, that meant that you and I would have had no savior. We'd have had no redemption. We'd have had no sacrificial death. We'd have had no substitutionary death. And as a result of it, the mockery there was absolutely true. He saved others, but himself he cannot save. That was exactly right. And beloved, you need to understand about salvation. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died on Calvary's cross, and when I trusted him as my Lord and Savior, he, he destroyed all the evidence that was ever against me. He wiped away every sin. He blotted them out. He took them away never to be remembered anymore. He put his hands behind his back and no one can get around him. And my sins are in the depths of the deepest sea. A little chorus, gone, gone, gone. Yes, my sins are gone. Buried in the deepest sea. Yes, that's good enough for me. Praise God, my sins are gone. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died, he refused to save himself so that he could offer salvation to you and to me through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Then very quickly, an only word, look at verse number 32. And again, he's saying there, listen, let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross that we may see and believe. And they that were crucified with him uh, reviled him. Now notice, if you will, let Christ the King of Israel descend now from the cross. That was in mockery. And yet they were, that they were acknowledging that he had achieved the status. He had achieved the name that was placed over his head. Behold Jesus, the King of the Jews. He is the King of the Jews, and we reveal for that. Very, I want you to notice something else, if you will, in verse number 33. And when the sixth hour was come, there was a darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. How many times only God knows if I preached on the cross, the seven sayings from the cross. I've talked about the darkness and I'd say, God, as it were, reached down, put his hand over the sun's eyes so that it would refuse to shine. Because of the great ignoble deed that was being done by man, they were putting God in the form of a person to death in Jesus Christ. I've said all those things, and I don't think they were altogether wrong, but somehow, folk, I'd missed it. I didn't know what I was studying, and I said to darkness, Lord, I don't really understand that. I don't mean a voice spoke, and I don't mean a light flashed. I just mean suddenly I thought of something I'd never thought of before, began to run reference, and then God revealed the truth to me that I'm revealing to you now. He said, now you remember, I'm being crucified at the hands of Gentiles. He said, I want you to understand something. The Jews were in it too. The Jews are the ones in the church court. And the Gentiles are over here in the Roman courts. As the Jews and Gentiles, they joined hand against God. And as a result of it, they crucified me as a son of God. They crucified me as a savior of the world. They crucified me. 
They said away with this man. We'll not have him to rule and reign over us. We don't want him. Get, get away. Give us Barabbas, that old insurrectionist, that murderer, that thief, that liar, that blasphemer. Give us Barabbas, but uh, uh, re release Barabbas, but, but crucify Jesus. Now here's what happened. And God took my mind back to the book of Exodus. Do you remember? And when the plagues were on the children of Israel, the Jews, when they were down in Egypt, they were there 430 years. And finally, when they were ready to come out, God said they cried out to God by reason of their affliction. And God answered their prayer. And God sent Moses to deliver them. You remember not go over all ten of them? There were ten plagues. And they had flies. And they had lice. And they had blood. And they had hail and lightning. They had all these things. But yet Pharaoh refused to let them go. And God said to, to Moses, now get them ready. We, uh, no, no joking this time. We're going now. We're going in the morning. Now he said, I want you to take that lamb. This is the 12th chapter of the book of Exodus. And I want you to take the Passover lamb. And I want you to not go into the store. It's too beautiful to say rapidly. But they put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel. First sign of a cross. They were trusting in the blood. Are you ready? Watch it. And the night he said at midnight. Now man uses that as indicating the darkest part of night. Poets use it. You've heard me quote many times from James Weldon Johnson. Blacker than a hundred midnights down in the cypress swamp. You remember? There is a time that's indicated to be the blackest, the darkest of all time. And at midnight, in the darkest hour that you'll ever see, I'm going to send judgment. And I'm going to send the death angel. And the firstborn in every house shall die. Let it slip up on you. And there was a darkness. So dark that if we use our words, you're going to put your hand in front of your face and you couldn't have seen it. And in that darkness, judgment fell. And the firstborn died. Jesus Christ is the firstborn. And the judgment of God was upon him because he had taken my place and had taken your place. Listen to the words again. My God... My God, why hast thou forsaken me? Are you listening? You know, I've told you I have a social security number in the Word of God. Psalms 37, 25. Listen to what it says. David said, I am old. I have been young and now I'm old, but I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. You see it? I wish I knew how to preach so you could see it. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Do you know why he was forsaken? Because he was taking my place and taking your place. It wasn't his place. It was my place, your place. And when he was forsaken, David's uh, truth of it was reality. He said, I've never seen the righteous. He wasn't righteous when he died. He was sinful because he had my nature. He had my sin upon him, don't you see? And God put the darkness just as he did in Egypt. And he said in the darkest hour, in the midnight hour, judgment's going to fall. And the firstborn is going to die. And when that happens, Israel, you're free. And brother, when it happened on Calvary's cross, and my faith in him, I was set free from the bondage of sin. Don't you see it? Now listen quickly. There was a shout from the cross. Thank God it was the end of the curse. I wish I could go into it, the end of the curse, for the veil was rent. 
in twain, in two, from the top to the bottom. Listen, you know, there were three curtains, always had been there. Uh, one of them represents the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. That's why we say, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. You see, it was God the Father who planned it, and God the Son who procured it, and God the Holy Spirit who presents it. Praise God, isn't that wonderful? All three of them bound up into one came to me as a lost, hell-bound, hell-deserving sinner and said, you can be saved. The curse, the penalty can be taken away. Glory to God, I never have got used to telling folk that good news. That's what the gospel is, the good news. Listen now, and the curtain, they, were, they had three colors, all of them. All of them same color, but all of them had these three colors. First of all, they had blue and purple and scarlet. Listen, I can only give it to you quickly. The, the blue spoke of his heavenly origin and of his divine nature. Number two, it was purple. That spoke of his kingly status and of his glory, kingly glory. Number three, it was scarlet. And that speaks of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank God he's a, he is a prophet. I thank God he's the priest. And I thank God he's the savior of the world. Now very quickly let me say this. I, can only, I can't leave him there. He's on the cross. He's dying in the midnight hour. In the blackest time. Crying out my God, my God. Why hast thou forsaken me? Taking my place. Listen now to the power of his resurrection. In chapter 16 verse 1. And I'll not read it. You, I read it a little bit a minute ago. You see, the resurrection is an absolute sealed fact and verified by an angelic being. I read it briefly a moment ago. I don't have to wonder if there's an empty tomb in Jerusalem. I don't have to wonder if the Lord Jesus Christ lived to raise from the dead. I have verified. I have that which has been verified by the Holy Spirit of the living God, by an angelic being. That, that tomb is empty. Did you notice what it says in verse number 6? And he saith unto them, Be not afraid. I like this. I like pure, clear identification. Listen to what he said. Ye seek Jesus. Now there was a lot of people named Jesus in that day. But he said, Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth. Doesn't leave any question at all. That's who he was. That's where he was from. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth. That's who he is. That's his name. What Notice now if you will. And it told of his death which was crucified. Now again, the angelic being is, is verifying why and how he died. He was crucified. Jesus of Nazareth is his name. The fact that he was dead has been verified by that angelic being. And notice now what else? Praise the Lord. I like this part. He is risen. Who? Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. I tell you, I still like that song. Up from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. He arose a victor from the dark domain, and he ever lives with his saints to reign. Hallelujah, he arose. Are you looking for Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you're talking about. Who was crucified a little while ago? Oh yeah, I saw that too, and I'm verifying it. He's not here, I'm sorry. He didn't say he wasn't at home. He didn't say he'd stepped out for a few moments. He said he's risen. Praise God. That means all the power of God. It means he's got the keys of death, hell, and the grave. It means he's victorious over them. He means that they're his servants. He means that when I enter into the valley of the shadow of death, I'll not have any fear. For he is the victor. He is the one who owns it. And he's the one who controls it. Then he says, now listen at verse number 7. But go and tell. Did you know that's all you can do after you've heard of his death, burial, and resurrection? You're to go and tell it. 
You're to go and tell other people about the Son of the living God. And that's exactly what I'm doing this morning. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And I'm telling you that His name was Jesus of Nazareth. I'm telling you that He was crucified. And I'm telling you that He is not here, thank God, but He's risen. And now God says, you go and tell it. You go and tell it. Let's stand together with our heads bowed. Our Father, I pray that in Jesus' name, that mortal words will not decide this message, not decide the fate of people, but may the Holy Spirit of the living God gave me this message, speak to them, let them see the truth as you've let me see it. Lord, you know how many tears I wept as I was studying for this, such blessed, precious, sweet truths. Now speak to them that way, Holy Spirit, and convict them and help those who have not, not, never been saved. Let them come this morning and be saved. Or those that are walking in a guilty distance, unconcerned. Is it nothing to ye, all ye that pass by? And Lord, that's our attitude. We just go about our business and we don't even seem to care. Oh God, help us to understand that the cross is the greatest thing that ever happened. Anywhere this world has ever known. And help us to be excited about it. Now, God, I pray that you'd help people come and rededicate their lives, others to come and join this church by letter baptism or by statement. Lord, have thine own sweet way in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's keep our heads bowed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. The choir's going to sing softly, tenderly, and prayerfully, just as I am. And as they sing, I wonder how many would step out of your place and come down here. Why don't you be one of the first ones? Be one of the first ones. Say, Brother Hudson, I'm just not sure about my salvation. I want to be sure over this Christmas season. I need to come and rededicate my life. Will you come on? Will you come on? Whatever that need is, come on right now. He can meet it. God bless you. God bless you. Come on. Come on now. Come on now. Folk, don't play with God. I urge in Jesus' name, don't play with God. God bless you. Come on, others. Come on. Oh, if you knew in the mind of God how important this was. Right now, you're evaluating His Son. You are in the mind of God right now. He's saying, what think you of my son? What do you think about it? What do you think about it? Come on. In that darkness, when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? The firstborn died in that darkness. The firstborn. And because of it, the Hebrew children were set free. We thank you for listening to the Making Much of Jesus podcast. If this sermon was a blessing to you, please share and invite others to listen. And join us next time for the Making Much of Jesus podcast.